Hey, Cross Politics, this is Pastor Toby and the Waterboy coming at you in Nashville at our event center where we're going to have our first annual Fight, Laugh, Feast conference October 1st through the 3rd. And so we hope to see you there. As you guys can see, this is the, where the uh, all the chairs are going to be set up. The audience will have... This is where the party is going to happen. We'll have uh, vendors here, booths, tables set up, coffee in the back. Uh, we're really excited about this event center where it's going to handle up to a thousand people. Uh, for our first year of conference. And I promise I will keep Gabe off the drums. He yeah, will apparently. not play any drums during the entire conference, I promise. But Chocolate Knox might be on the organ over here. So Playing the Hammond B5. <laughs> he, he, might, he might hit it. He might Maybe hit Virgil. It. Yeah. <laughs> get it on your calendars now, October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Get in the sun and get demons to run. I don't believe it because we got the sun. Too many people, we got to hear something. That's why we fight, laugh, beast. Yeah, we fight, laugh, feast. That's why we fight, laugh, feast. Yeah, we fight, laugh, feast. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Do you believe that you need an insurance company or do you believe that God will provide your needs? And there are people that you've never met before who are going to pray for you and meet your needs. There's another way. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations. Our most precious commodity is time. No one has ever lied on their deathbed wishing they had spent more time making money. They all wish they had spent more time creating a legacy. Our modern education system steals that legacy, steals that time from our children. That's why I'm passionate about homeschooling. That's why at Classical Conversations we want to give you more time to create that legacy, follow your passions, and glorify God. Visit classicalconversations.com for more information. Hello, and welcome to Cross Politic. We are your guest hosts filling in for Waterboy, Pastor Toby, and Chalk Knox. I'm Kyle Mann. I'm Ethan Nicole. And we're the, we're the writers behind the Babylon Bee, if you know what that is, satirical Christian website. And we're the hosts of the Babylon Bee podcast. Mm-hmm. Today we're going to do a special show for you on cancel culture, all the cross-politic guys are. That's right, because who doesn't know about cancel culture? The people who are canceled. They're isolated now. They've been they sent didn't to the realize. frozen tundra. I saw a guy who basically stood by and watched his friend get canceled this week. While saying cancel culture doesn't exist. Wow. <laughs> I can't name names because of my closeness to the situation, but I, I, he literally posted, I don't believe in this monolithic cancel culture BS or whatever. Wait, can we say that? It's a, it's a bullshit. It's a bull snot. And, uh, so yeah, he, anyway, it was this basic same idea, cancel culture. Uh, Let's get into what that actually means for anybody who's kind of like, you know, we all hear it, but I think doing like a deep dive is interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of people have different perspectives on what exactly cancel culture is, but I think generally it's trying to get somebody fired, trying to get their platform removed, trying to get them banned. 
Mm-hmm. Usually for something really old that they said or did. Although sometimes right. it's for... It's usually just one thing they said or they liked something. They click, click like, like, like on, on, a on the wrong tweet. Yeah. Um, even just for associations, being mm-hmm. associated with someone who believes the wrong things. Mm-hmm. It's very popular on the left. Sometimes you see people on the right try to do it, but typically not. It tends to be more of a thing on the left. Yeah, if people on the right are doing it, it's usually in retaliation. <laughs> <laughs> right, to, get, to show the hypocrisy yeah. of someone who tried to cancel someone else. And we'll talk mm-hmm. about a couple examples of that. Also, mm-hmm. people on the right tend to have jobs. It's true. So they, to, they don't have time to just dig through old tweets like people on the left do. Yeah. All those unemployed libs. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think it takes a lot of digging around online to to really uh, accomplish a, a good canceling. Yeah, and a cancel culture tends to be a big mob that gets riled up by somebody. So it's like nobody cares about this person. It's often someone who doesn't even have a large platform. Mm-hmm. Someone who works at, da- at Dairy Queen and they tag Dairy Queen. Look what this person said 10 years ago. Is this the person you want selling ice cream at your Dairy Queen? I think one thing a lot a lot of companies don't realize about Twitter, for for instance, because a lot of them have their brand on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But Twitter has a very large population of activist-type people. And so that even with like a few hundred retweets and shares and replies, it feels like the whole world is coming after you. So a company that's smaller... When they get that, because if you're a smaller company, you're probably getting like a few replies a day, you know. So if a few hundred people are like saying, we are going to boycott you and destroy you, that feels like the whole world coming <laughs> down on you. And they, then they need to reply. So that I saw this happen. I have a recent example in my life of cancel culture. I'm probably going to keep replying to, re- referring to it, but I can't name any names on it because just to protect my friend who was involved, I don't want to make it any worse for him. But uh, this I definitely think was an example of that. Some little nobody type person who just is very angry uh, posted this thing associating him with a friend of ours who who said certain words. He took all that out of context because we were actually our most recent, uh, we we did enough. There were the most recent conversation was why we shouldn't say those words. Uh, Anyway. So we got, I got to this whole thing where his company basically forced him to leave the, leave the podcast and to cancel and, uh, or, you know, you would have lost his job and everything. And it was, it was all very ugly, but watching it, some of the, uh, this is the closest I've ever been to cancel culture type stuff. A few of the most interesting things to me were, um, one, how, par- how, how quickly paranoid the company became. Right. Right. Because if, if they had just let it simmer over, like for instance, this just was over the last few days, it literally in two out in two days, solid I had a, a search tab on my Twitter with the guy's name in it who was getting, you know, quote unquote canceled. And this morning it's just, there's nothing. Nobody's talking about it. It's over basically. Right. <laughs> it's that fast. So one thing I wish companies understood is that it goes, they, they get like a 24 hour to, to 72 hours. They're just done. Uh, so it's best to weather it because what the, I think the mistake this company made, you know, it really was, it was probably less than a thousand people. It was not, you know, and plus a lot of these people, they don't actually, they're not going to actually patronize your business. They just jumped on board this thing like, who are these people? Let's attack them. You know, um, they, they added, they, they posted a statement from their guy and that broadcast this to their whole audience, which is made up of, there's a lot of celebrities in it and stuff. So then everybody's had to make their statement either in support or, or against and made it way worse. 
<laughs> so yeah, and, and then I think that little twerp who has like under a thousand followers or whatever feels so powerful. He just shook the lives of all these people. He just people at this company are having these massive meetings of what are we going to do? And this guy almost lost his job, and it's just. It always baffles me when corporations and companies do that because you're now appealing to the side that is never going to be appeased. Yeah, and you're encouraging They're these never going to be happy. Little online troll guys. Yeah. When someone sees that this guy got a few hundred more followers. Yeah. Now they're looking through old tweets and saying, what can I mm-hmm. find? Can I cancel somebody? Yeah. It's definitely people who are bored and want to show their virtue and their righteousness and show how much better they are than somebody else. The other fascinating thing I, I realized through this experience is that everybody creates a story around it because so much is actually so few things are actually released. So, for instance, the guy who posts the original thing that got him canceled was very selective, and then the statement that's put out is very selective because they don't, you know, they just basically want to kind of say, "Hey, we're we're cool, we're not bad. Please keep buying our stuff," you know. So everybody just fills in all the blanks. So you see people from all the way from the right to the left creating their own narrative based on what they hope is true. (laughs) (laughs) So people on the left are like, oh, it's so good to see that this guy completely shifted and changed and has nothing to do with, you know, his conservative views or whatever. It's like, he's a lifelong conservative. Like, but you just, because you want to believe this, you're just adding, (laughs) you're believing this now. And then other people are like, he's a complete coward. And, you know, people just write their own story. Yeah. You ultimately please nobody when you bow to the mob like that. And I think we all like we like the part of the movie where the bad guy gets like falls off the edge of the building and plummets, right? So we all like to feel like we got to be part of something like that. Die hard. You're the yeah. guy. You're the guy who pushed the bad guy. Right. Off the you're the guy that die hard. We we loosened the watch <laughs> so that <laughs> so that what's his name Hans would fall. <laughs> we all got together and loosened the watch through cyberspace. But Phil and Hans with y- your political enemies. Yeah, and that's the guy you'd loosen the watch of that fell off the building. <laughs> So who are some people that have been targeted in the past by uh, cancel culture? We were just talking about Justine Sacco, kind of the yeah, classic so that's the example. Classic example. Uh, if you haven't heard of this, it's fascinating and amazing. I mean, if it, it, I, I feel like it's the most well known. So I'll try to keep it short. But so Justine Sacco was on a plane. What she had like 170 followers on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, like nothing. Like, like nothing. You, you think anything you say, no one will read when they have that many followers. Yeah, if you follow anybody that has 100 followers or 200 followers. They tweet. They might tweet multiple times a day, and it's like no likes, literally no, no likes, retweets, nothing. no comments. They're yeah. just, it's their private journal at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. You see people like that that tweet nonstop, and they get no likes. I don't know. How, I respect yeah. that amount of uh, willpower. So she posted like a few jokes. Uh, you know, she said chili cucumber sandwiches, bad teeth back in London, and then she said going to Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding. I'm white. Insensitive. Bad joke. Bad joke. For sure. But, you know, whatever. She's joking. Uh, she gets put on a plane, or she gets on a plane. She's not being carried. 11-hour uh, flight. So in, in the midst of this 11-hour flight, uh, she's going to land in Cape Town. When she lands, she suddenly sees a... She gets The first text she gets, I'm so sorry to see what's happening. Then another text, you need to call me immediately. It was from her best friend. Uh, her phone exploded with more texts and alerts, and then it rang... Her friend, you're the number one worldwide trend on Twitter right now. So her Twitter feed had become a horror show. Uh, people were donating to, because uh, she had a PR job. So her company basically, within the frame of this happening, she became the top thing talked about on Twitter and how she's a horrible person, lost her job. Uh, there were people waiting and actually her picture was taken the moment she walked off the flight. 
So all of Twitter's watching her lose her job, be destroyed, and uh, she completely deleted her uh, <laughs> her account and everything. Uh, it's just insane that that can happen that fast. Yeah, and this is often associated with employment, right? Because yeah. you can't really cancel somebody who just has their own platform or they're just a person. It's like you're mad at them for this bad joke, whatever. But what they're doing now is tying it to, oh, you work for this company? And yep. then everybody bombards then they, uh, yeah. that company with That's what happened. complaints. Yep. Yeah, because right now you can't, you generally can't get voluntary hitmen to work for you online. So until that's possible, they'll do this, I yeah. guess, in cancel culture. Yeah, so a lot of times it's a nobody. There was this yep. guy, and, and what's happening more recently, I think, is a lot of bored journalists are trying to find the cancel story. They're trying to find somebody to cancel. Yeah. So any positive story that comes out, like this guy is trying to do something good. Mm-hmm. You know, there's somebody who was a nobody, and now they're raising money for something. And it's like, let's look through their old tweets and see if they they said anything bad 10 years ago. Yeah. So the classic example of that is Carson King, uh, who was a guy that tried to raise money for a children's hospital. I think he raised like a million dollars. Yeah, he started off, he had a sign holding up some up. He, wanted he held beer. up a sign saying, send me money for beer. And he had his PayPal. Uh, or the Venmo sign made it something. on the news, I think. Yeah. So he had a PayPal on there. And <laughs> he got so much money and decided to give it to the, he didn't, he didn't need that much beer. So he gave it to like a children's hospital. So a weird guy standing there with a sign asking for beer money. Does and, something good with it. Yeah, and it became like a big partnership with the beer company and they raised raising all this money for this hospital. And then Feel some good story. And then some weasel journalist. Mm-hmm. Went digging through his old tweets and found a, a joke from Tosh.0 or however you say it. I don't know how mm-hmm. to say a name with a point and a number Tosh. in it. Tosh.0. Tosh.0. And, <laughs> and he, <laughs> he had re- retweeted some or reshared some racist joke that Tosh had made. Hmm. And it wasn't even his joke. He was like yeah, putting in quotes. Sharing it. And, and plus, he was really young, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was, his old tweets, because he's pretty young at this point. I believe. And now if you're in your mid-20s, if you joined t- Twitter uh, 10 years ago, you know, you're, we're talking about when you're a teenager. Yeah, because I believe most of his tweets that were dug up were for like high school age. Yeah. And so this, I mean, thank you, Lord, that you can't dig up what I said you did in high school. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. We are blessed that uh, the things we said are not recorded. Yeah. Well, no, it'd we be bad. We were little. Um, but the best part about this was the journalist that found his racist tweets. Yeah, this is kind of delightful. Himself. Had racist tweets. He did. So yeah, he <laughs> got, found. people dug through his tweets. <laughs> so then he got fired. It was entertaining because you could see there's the story and then there was the replied to story with the journalist saying he's bad. So this is, he's good. And then this story says he's bad. And then another story pops up underneath it saying journalist is bad. And then a story pops up underneath that one saying we have fired the journalist. We are sorry from the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was it? The Des Moines register, something like yeah. that. And, uh, and the best part was then, I keep saying the best part, the even better best part was that the journalist <laughs> oh, yeah. then apologized, but kind of didn't take responsibility for what he said. And he tried right. to turn it into a virtue signal himself. And he said, the cancellation I have experienced is just a small fraction of what people of color experience yeah, every said, day. He said, I, now I know what it feels like to be, to a, be woman, a woman of color. Be marginalized. Yeah. And, <laughs> so even that has to be turned into an op- opportunity to virtue signal. It feels like that's what a lot of this is. It feels like it's a lot of people who, uh, you know, not a lot of people know who they are. They don't have a big following. They know that they can get that fame. They know they can look righteous. They can mm-hmm. have this sense of self-righteousness by finding someone and saying, they're the bad guy. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before. We quote G.K. Chesterton a lot, but his statement that what's what's wrong with the world, I am, 
Mm-hmm. And we, we don't want us to be what's wrong with the world. We want the other to be the one that's wrong with the world. I think and as, when you create a bad guy, it makes you look good, right? Or at exactly. least it makes your, yeah. your badness look so small if you create a big bad guy. So if, you're, if you can point the finger at a big, giant, horrible monster on the internet, who, you, know, you look like a hero and anything wrong with you is ignored. And I think we just have a, I think this feeling happens. You're on the internet, you're scrolling around, you see injustice and bad things happening all the time because the internet is a machine that churns out that kind of news. So you're instantly going to feel this, I want to do something about this feeling when you're on the internet. And so it's the perfect place to suddenly play this game where right. it really is to make you feel better. I don't, I don't think 99% of the people that engage in cancel culture are doing this for anybody but themselves. Right, absolutely. Their own self-gratification. I almost think it's there's something similar to it in... I read this psychology book that the reason they put salad on the the menu at McDonald's, they learned. You were telling me about this. Was this on the same podcast? No, no, you told me about this because I ordered a salad, remember? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I found out that one of the main reasons they put it on, they found they actually sold more burgers and bacon and all that stuff and fries with salad on the menu because psychologically, people look at the salad and they go through this whole thought process where they think, I would get that because I'm good and I really should lose weight. I'm going to reward myself for just being the kind of person who would get a salad and I'm going to get a double bacon cheeseburger. (laughs) (laughs) This is the way people think. They reward themselves for their own thoughts. So, uh, and and I think that that is what happens on the internet. Absolutely. They think I'm a horrible person. I'm a horrible person. Oh, look, look at this horrible person. If I help destroy them, I'm a good person. Like they get this, they get that little feeling of whatever the chemical reaction is or whatever that is makes them feel better about themselves. It's all about them. Yeah, that reminds me too about just online activism in the sense of sharing things with a hashtag or posting the right social media thing that everybody else is doing, yeah. putting the frame on your profile. It's like, I haven't done anything, Yeah, <laughs> but I would. Uh-huh. And you just feel so much better. <laughs> uh, Jesus talking to the Pharisees in Luke 16, 14, and 15. The Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening to all these things and scoffing at him. And Jesus told them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the sight of others. But God knows your hearts. For what is highly admired by people is revolting in God's sight. Hmm. It's people that try to justify themselves in front of the other people. It's not about being right with God. It's not about dealing with your own sin. It's about standing in front of others and saying that I am justified because of what I've done, because of something I posted on social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the... If, if you're sitting here trying to appease culture, it's a, it's a losing battle, but it can feel like you're really winning in the, mo- in the moment. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've struggled a little bit with the discussion on cancel culture because I do feel like sometimes I look at the old comments or the associations and I'm like, yeah, that is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. You know, so I wonder what place that has and, and I wonder what place it has with uh, employers. You know, because there is a sense in which now everything is public. Everything you post online is public. Mm-hmm. And I think there there is something to be said for a company not wanting to be associated with someone who said, all yeah. this stuff. I totally. think I think what it is though is is just people going after nobodies and the motivations for it are so sick. Mm-hmm. Um, that that kind of turns me away from that kind of thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's the hard thing. I, I can't remember who said it, but my fear of uh, when it comes to free speech, I'm not so afraid of the government as I am afraid of our own mm-hmm. people using their own, their free rights to reign in speech. Like we. One of the scariest, hardest things is to debate and to uh, 
talk to somebody about ideas and to talk about ideas that are are insanely personal and important to you and to be willing to discuss them as if they are debatable. Like that takes a, a mature person to do that. And I don't think a lot of people can handle that. But that's like what you need <laughs> to discuss the most of the things that, that we are very passionate about as human beings are things we don't have proof of. They're deeply held convictions. Like we, we can do our best to prove them, but a lot of the stuff we fight about the most, the most, like a man feels like he's a woman, he can just be one. Like there's no proof of that. That's just a feeling that you hold very strongly. Even the belief in God, like we don't, we can't like, you know, do a litmus scientific test and prove it. But all this stuff is stuff that we, you know, if we could at least just have that little bit of room and say we, uh, you know, we don't all actually know for sure on a lot of this stuff. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to actually like bounce things off each other. Our culture has become more and more like they've built this armor around themselves where they can't and they will not. And, and then, and then the craziest thing about the way things have gotten is even to suggest you should is supposedly some form of racism or hate. Mm-hmm. It's just gotten crazy. Yeah. There's We're talking like a couple old guys are sitting there. That's crazy <laughs> and I'm out of control and these kids these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what I mean, what is the Christian perspective? What does the gospel have to say about past mistakes? You know, and I think that on the one hand, we can say that, uh, yeah, obviously a lot of companies and people don't want to be associated with, uh, you know, things that are har- harmful, things that are hateful, um, people that say things that are that are off color that aren't acceptable. Um, but at the same time, as Christians, we have to recognize that our sin has been paid for. Mm-hmm. Our sins are covered. Everything is, has been wiped out. And we have this new identity in Christ where we don't have to hold things. Both things are not held against us, and we don't have to hold things against other people. And I think mm-hmm. the Christian worldview is one of forgiveness. That is one of the central ideas. So I think for us, it's if we're going to truly live out Christian lives, we, are, we have to forgive people for things that were said 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Because a lot of these people... You know them. You know they're good people. You know mm-hmm. you, you hear stories about how th- this person isn't the same person that they were in high school. Right. <laughs> well, God forbid we're judged by things we said 20 years ago for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Um, I sounded like I had something I was going to say, but I lost it <laughs> right there in the moment. Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us our old tweets mm-hmm. from us. <laughs> I think that, well, part of the big issue here is that most of the cancel stuff is based around, I think it's the social justice religion that's happening right now. Right. It's They're what, pointing out heretics. Right, true. So the redemption is only if you will, you know, bend the knee and express exactly the doctrine that they want you to. Yeah. So it's not, they don't care if you're actually a nice person in practice. It's just, if they can, if they know you're going to vote a certain way, I think it really has come down to this. There's apparently like a lot of cancel culture stuff happening in uh, a lot of places you wouldn't even think, like Magic the Gathering, and you know about that. Yeah, some artists are being canceled. And then uh, the knitting community, apparently. Did you hear about that? Yeah, the knitting community has like turned into a big... and stuff? No Trump, no Trump supporters so if you, allowed. if you knit and you voted for Trump, then you are... <laughs> and my wife's telling my wife about this, and she's like, for voting for Trump? I'm like, are you on Twitter? Like, are you even... Well, she's not, but... Do you even know how people think? Yes. Like the moment if you, if people know you voted for Trump, that's because to me, so to them, this is the battle for America. Like they think 
they need to can- cancel anybody who voted for Trump, destroy them, because they don't want to get to the election and have anybody out there who's going to do it. Yeah, it's definitely this ideological purity that they're demanding. It it's was warfare. Yeah. It was that uh, Ma- Magic the Gathering artist was a lesbian woman, and uh, and she got canceled for liking uh, Infowars, liking the Infowars account, following it, or something like that. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and they're redoing all her artwork, replacing it with new artists. Hmm. So it's just, it's even it, it's a lot of ways it's the left eating themselves. You know, they're eating themselves alive. Mm-hmm. We saw this recently with J.K. Rowling, who is oh, yeah. seems She's to be seems to be left, just about seems to be leftist, to... seems to be pro LGBTQ, pro all that stuff. But she suggested that women are women are, and men are men. And now but, Christians but, aren't the ones burning Harry Potter books anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we're talking about that. I wonder if it's like an actually a, a brilliant marketing scheme. Oh, absolutely. Because now they're all probably going to all those Christians who are burning your books are going to go and buy them probably to support her. Local liberal buys all the Harry Potter books the, to burn them. It's that enemy of an enemy is my friend or whatever. Enemy <laughs> of my enemy. Uh, we love Chesterton quotes. Let's do it. Let's do some There's quotes. There's a bunch quotes. of good ones. Like, for instance, I always like this one. Uh, okay, gosh, we have so many in here. Oh, yeah, it is the tendency of people who are liberal in theology to be illiberal in everything else. They're like, ah, who cares what the Bible says? <laughs> I'm the Bible. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to, right? <laughs> I, don't, I believe most of the great social reforms of our time will remain in history as follies. Yes. I don't have it here, but I, had, I read a great Chesterton quote the other day. I put it on my Twitter. About the old. Where he says that old people are usually wrong in their beliefs. Yeah. He says, but the new young people come up and they attack it for completely the wrong reasons. Yeah, so they're wrong too. Yeah. <laughs> And it really is a great description of, of the culture war that we're fighting right now. Mm-hmm. That's why I do feel like there's such an advantage to having something like the Bible to go back to a book that was written over thousands of years, picking out the wisdom of the time and what's lasted. If you think about a book, if, if a book was written today that was written, that took as long as the Bible, it'd be like it started in like Athens or whatever with like Socrates, I think, or whoever, like Plato and those guys like that. Don't check us on the history. Yeah, don't check me. Don't check me I did the math one time. Don't do it. And it was like around that to today, it would take like that long to write the book. To to even imagine a book that starts with them and ends with someone today. It's crazy. Seems so far back. But uh, I've always found that fascinating about the Bible. It just kind of signifies that it's not following fashions. It's looking for eternal wisdom. The modern man in revolt has become practically useless for all purposes of revolt. By rebelling against everything, he has lost his right to rebel against anything. People don't stand for things. They want to tear things down. Chesterton had a great uh, metaphor about the fence. Yeah. Chesterton's fence. And I'll probably botch it. What's Chesterton's (laughs) fence? His fence just is the idea that the, uh, you find an old fence that's been put up that the, uh, the liberal, We'll look at it and go, tear it down, get it out of the way, because it's holding us back from progress. The conservative will look at it and, and want to know why it was torn, why it was put up in the first place. Yeah, you have to know why and the fence is up. He says nobody's more qualified down. to tear a fence down than somebody who knows why it was put up. Right. And so, and that's, you see that all the time. You'll get, even, I would say, even a lot of the tearing down of statues. I mean, we just, it was just news the, in Portland, these idiots tore down George Washington statue. <laughs> yeah. Like, do they even have any concept of why he was put up there except for their little brainwashed idea that he's a racist? 
They just see a guy with a with a wig on, one of those yeah. powdered wigs on, and they're like, ah, take him down. Yeah. Just something it's crazy. Like, like we got to this place like from other people making tons of progress through history to this point. Like you didn't invent the idea that slavery is bad, right? Like people died for that idea and fought and and even the idea of a free country, just it's just so infuriating the stupidity of people that would tear down a George Washington statue. Did you see Trump's statement from three years ago that soon they're gonna be tearing down George Washington's statue? <laughs> We're here. Only took three years. <laughs> Well, yes. He, he, we had a friend make these notes, and so I don't know exactly what this giant long quote is. I I, I just read the end of it. That was the one okay. about by rebelling against anything, he's lost his right right to rebel against it. Anything. Mm. It does seem like progressive. That's like progress for the sake of progress. Go forward because we're going forward, and at some point you're going to accelerate right off the cliff. And it's like progress. We're going forward. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah, know it's, why, it's no most, reason. It's not well, rooted that's in history. It it's the meaning, most meaningless thing you can. It's always progress. Uh, what do better? What, what? What is? All these things that need a a standard to even make any sense. But, oh, yeah, moral standard. We have no morals, but if you say the wrong thing, there can't be a standard. You're canceled. It's like it's like going it's to a doctor and saying like, you know, am I healthy or not? But you can't have a standard of what a healthy person is. So you can name a bunch of symptoms if you want to, but you can't say what a healthy person would be so <laughs> or would look like. Problematic. Yeah. That would be toxic. That's stolen from Chesterton also. From What's Wrong with the World, first chapter, or maybe second. Is your mind just one big yeah. collection of Chesterton? A lot in there. So yeah, and they always got the black like the black squares. Everybody puts on the rainbow logo on their Twitter account and everything. Yeah, the black. I, I, yeah, I thought it was Most funny. Most recent was the black squares. I thought it was funny that we got to Pride Month and everyone was putting black squares, yeah. <laughs> blacking out the rainbow flags. It was a war of intersectionality yeah. going on. But yeah, ultimately, I think, you know, cancel culture has is a tool of the religion of the left because yeah. they have become the ones enforcing ideological standards. They have been become the ones doing the witch hunts. Yeah. They have been the, become the ones doing the uh, moral judgments, the end times predictions. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> in a lot of ways, the kind of caricature of fundamentalist Christians of the 1950s is now the left. Yeah, yeah that's true. I like to have, like, that most people look at this and go, no, we can't be doing this. This can't be happening. Mm-hmm. And so I still want to believe it's a minority. And that ultimately, they're hurting themselves. With it. Hopefully so. All right, everybody, that's enough for our show for today. If you are single, get married. If you are married, have kids. If you have kids, wait until they make a public profession of faith and then baptize them, like the Bible says. Until the cross-politic guys get back, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. I will definitely be feasting. At Logos Online School, we believe learning should be accessible. Homeschooling shouldn't stop you from staying connected. Enjoy classmates from across the United States and the whole world, coming at you four days a week and 32 weeks a year. We believe learning should be engaging, a group of like-minded students who love God and their classmates. Learning should also be customized, with more than 50 different classes offered throughout the day. Take one class or join us full-time. We believe learning should be inspired. Our knowledgeable instructors enthusiastically engage the students. The goal? Hearts that love learning. Lastly, learning should be affordable. Committed to making Christian education reasonable for all families. From $620 per class for an entire year 
$2,232 per year for full-time students. The best option on the market. Join us at Logos Online School.